All right, welcome everyone to another episode of Behind the Human. I am your host, Mark Champagne, and it's my job to unpack these stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. Today, I am jamming with Nicole, who is fascinated by human potential and technology. She is the CEO and founder of the Willow Group and the executive director and co-founder of the Transformative Technology Lab Conference and TT200 List. Prior to becoming a leader in transformative technology, she was a senior executive in video games with responsibility for strategy, operations, and marketing for major brands that include Activision Blizzard, those are bringing back memories for me. <laughs> Disney and Vivendi games, including operating World of Warcraft China. She is a graduate of the Singularity University, has a, an MBA from Wharton School of Business and Strategy and a BBA in Marketing from the University of Houston. She speaks regularly on transformation, exponential technology and culture and is just a fascinating human. So I'm excited to oh. talk to you. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's, um, yeah, I'm super excited. I mean, I think it's been two, three years since first met you and was, was you know, somewhat or had a, a small piece of involvement in one of the transformative technology conf- conferences. And before I hit record, I mean, I feel like I, I mentioned probably two, three people that be f- stemming from that one conference, I'm still chatting with, still doing work with. So it's super exciting to see, you know, that possibility and you probably hear this stuff you know day in and day out so just congratulations on putting the effort to to bringing people together like that thank you all right before we jump into you and your story i start the show with the same question for everyone just to get an idea about who the person is and that question is is exactly that you know who who are you who who sits in front of me today how would you how do you identify <laughs> you know, a girlfriend of mine just sent me a roomy poem yesterday and uh, it said, you know, when someone asks you who you are, answer a soul looking into a soul, looking into a soul, looking into a soul. <laughs> yes. So I was like, huh, that's really a good answer. Um, you know, uh, so, so that's really who I am. But um, the way I have shown up, you know, in this particular sleeve at this particular time is why ask it is um you know i'm I'm a person who is you know deeply interested in human transformation, and that shows up in um you know, that shows up in my nonprofit work with transformative tech. It shows up with my board positions with you know I'm a trustee at CIS. um I'm a a lecturer at Stanford on well-being and technology. Um, it shows up in my writing that I do. So I've written a novel that I outlined when I was in college. And, you know, looking back on a life, you know, I can see that I've always been deeply interested in the process of becoming human, deeply, mm-hmm. deeply human. Um, and the transformation that's required to do that. So I've been interested in the same things my whole life and approaching them in in different ways. Sure. And then, um, you know, and then I also happen to be uh, an African-American female um, in this particular sleeve, but I really think of my, um, and, I, and, and I think that, you know, 
is relevant in the places that it's relevant. But then I also um, see myself as a soul looking into a soul, looking into a soul. What a beautiful response. No, thank you. I mean, I I really asked that question for for one main purpose and to avoid job titles. And I've always been amazed and we'll see, we'll see where the conversation goes because it's not a, a scripted show, but the, the usually the conversations, I would say 99 times out of 100 circle straight back to how the person answers the question. It just naturally unfolds like that. So thank you for for the detail and not and, and not just staying uh, on the soul looking into a soul into a soul, into a soul. <laughs> even though i love that that's, but <laughs> that that would be the buddha at the gas pump uh, yeah podcast to- totally totally so you know before we get into the work because uh, it's just you're you're doing such great great things out there you mentioned that this has always been a part of your life or that you know it's 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 existed in a way but in, in the sense of some of the work that you're doing, you know, in, in the, your past years in, in the video game industry, I feel like it showed up in a different way. And there were some key turning points um, in your life that really put you on this path. So I'd just love to provide a little perspective to the listeners. Um, I know the story because I, I, I know you, but um, if, you, if you will, can you share a little bit of the background and then in the story of, of the sh- you know, how you got to that turning point or the shift into this? this industry specifically? Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a couple of things. So first of all, um, I love video games. I absolutely love video games. And I think ultimately gaming and digital environments will become the ultimate transformative tools. When I was in grad school and in business school and looking for what I was going to do, um, part of post-school, part of the reason why I chose the video game industry was because Um, I saw games as the next evolution in human storytelling and Mm -hmm. stories and meaning making is how we discover who we are. It's how we learn how to be, feel and become. Um, It's really tied to how, and it's tied to how we change. It's tied to how we adapt. And, um, you know, and so being able to um, explore and experiment and have experiences that, you know, one typically can't, um, you know, is a part of games. Actually, you know, what I had wanted to do uh, was I imagined, um, you know, launching the holodeck, you know, um, because, and this goes back to just being a little girl. I grew up in Houston, Texas and, you know, and, you know, was, you know, the only ex, right, in my, in my neighborhood, in my middle school growing up. And, you know, I would, you know, come in from, you know, a world that, um, you know, wasn't diverse and didn't necessarily value that uh, because this was, you know, Texas in the 70s. Sure. And, um, and I would watch Star Trek and I would watch, um, you know, a world where humanity for the most part had decided that they were on the same page and, you know, and it just captured me, you know, uh, this positive use of technology. So, you know, going forward into graduate school, really thinking about like, what do I want to do? And many people approach graduate school as, um, because it's very expensive 
uh, they approach it or what they're going to do after it. And many people are my peers were approaching it as, you know, how do I, what is the job that I can get that will pay off this bill as quickly as possible? So many people go into banking, many people go into consulting. And, and I know people that that really is like, they love those types of things. Um, and so, you know, I, I believe that people should go, you know, where they feel alive. Uh, but there were also lots of people who were doing it just because the salaries were so good. And and I, you know, was thinking about it and, and I had some personal things happen um, that really made me think differently, that made me think about, um, you know, defying momentum and mm. making choices. And I thought, what would be a career that would make having this job, having this bill worthwhile? Like what makes the bill worth it as opposed to how do I pay the bill off as quickly as possible? Such a good prompt. Yeah. And so I really thought about it and I did what colors your parachute and that's where, and I did it like my hair was on fire and I was looking for water. And that's what, you know, brought up the sentence that was about, or the description of something that was about uh, technology and human storytelling. But I knew I wasn't interested in music and I knew I wasn't interested in film. And so uh, when I, you know, and I played games, but I'd never really realized that you could have a career in it. And when I discovered it, it was like, oh my gosh. So, um, you know, then, so I was in games for a long time. And then the moment that you were talking about is that I went on a uh, meditation retreat and I had an awakening. And so it was a 10 day Vipassana retreat. And I think the reason why what happened for me happened was because I spent most of my life in my head. And I was a very heady person, a very thinky person. Like like the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, I was a very heady person, very thinky person. You know, I remember it's like sometimes like it would take me a, a week to get mad because it took me that long to feel what I was feeling oh, wow. about something. Um, and, you know, and Vipassana, especially Goenka style Vipassana, is basically taking your body, taking your mind through your skin, through your flesh, through your body, um, over and over and over and over again. And so I think it gave me the counterbalance that I needed in order to have the experience that I did. And I imagine that, you know, if, if someone else is only you know, a, a body, if someone else is a very body-based person, then probably doing direct inquiry, you know, will make them pop um, to have the balance. And so I, you know, I finished that retreat um, with such a level of happiness, clarity, um, you know, it was like mainlining the universe really. And my, you know, what came to me afterwards is I was like, because I had such a positive association with technology, just in the way I felt about games. And when I was in China, um, leading operations for World of Warcraft and being on the back end of a mega game like that for six years, I saw families and relationships and friendships. I saw, you know, really young people leading guilds of thousands, um, you know, and so I didn't have the uh, negative association that so sure. many people have and, and also that so many spiritual people have with technology. And so to me, it was clear, like I wanted everyone to, to have the experience of what I experienced. Uh, 
Um, and so it was clear to me that, you know, technology is this function that makes what's, you know, what's scarce abundant, that it was obvious to me that you would put these two things together. Now, this was 2014, you know, <laughs> it was not like so obvious at that time. time. <laughs> to me, I was like, it's obvious. Yeah. And so, you know, I spent many years being crazy. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, really it's like, the, it's been interesting. I noticed that the shift starting in about 2018, where, you know, people would, it, I, it, when I would tell people what I was working on, it went from, huh, to, oh, that's interesting. But I still had to do a lot of explanation. And what sure. I'm hearing from founders now is that after this crazy year that we've all had, where everyone has like some level of PTSD from COVID mm -hmm. on some level, like every single person in the world either struggled last year or someone that they know and love or respect struggled so it's gone from you know this this part about you know uh psychological health of which human transformation is a big part of it um it's gone from this thing that you know happens over there to other people that isn't important that's something you do after you've done everything else to people being like okay, like this is center. Um, yeah. So that's my journey. Yeah. But I think just like to, to continue on that train of thought, I mean, no doubt the, the options, the practices, the technology, the solutions that are available to all of us uh, today and continue to grow. And it's super exciting to see that, but it's still required. I, I think at least it, just like what you're mentioning with COVID, like the, I think the difference is there was a forced global pause there just like your retreat gave you the pause and um, then allowed you to, you know, just to see what was happening and, and shift the path essentially. So I'm super, you know, as, as, um, as crazy of, of a year and a year and a half, I guess is where it seems like we're entering as it's been, I, I'm, I'm optimistic that this will help a lot of people in, in, in a different way, obviously, and, and hopefully keep people, I hope people will, will stick with the pause and stick with like the curiosity of thinking, right? Like, okay, well, what do I do? Like, what's next? Or what can I do for my health and, and whatnot? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I, I think some of the, you know, there's been a tremendous amount of suffering with COVID and, you know, I've known people, who have passed, young people. Um, I've had people in my family get it. I have, um, I actually know people who've gotten it twice, which really sucks. Oh, wow. Yeah. Different strains. Like that's messed up. You're just yeah. like, oh, <laughs> come <sorry."> on. <laughs> um, you know, I know young people with, you know, trailing symptoms. I know long haulers, which is, that's just really, um, that that's a really hard thing. Mm -hmm. That being said, um, to your point, you know, one of the things that, that this has shown us is it's really made it clear and unignorable the things that were broken. So the healthcare yeah. system broken really needed to be remote for a long time. You know, like we needed telehealth. Um, you know, um, there's a lot of things that people are doing that, um, you know, that are doing now that just should have been done a long time ago. Like, you know, the bulk of your, you know, your, your doctor really only needs to see you, um, you know, in person, 
um, a few times, you know, but this whole process of like, yeah. not being able to do it digitally, like it was broken, healthcare is broken, education's broken. Um, you know, a lot of our relationships were broken. Um, you know, certainly the, you know, uh, you know, race and, and, um, economics were broken. Um, you know, and so there's, there were so many things that this really pushed up, you know, you wouldn't have had the protest without, um, mm. the space with COVID you wouldn't, well, you, you would have had it, but you wouldn't have had so many allies because people were home and they were watching it and they actually got to watch it as opposed to like trying to figure out something in between, you know, do they want a vanilla latte or a pumpkin latte? You know, like yeah. we, we were all watching what was happening. You know, uh, it's really revealed, uh, you know, the impact of uh, attention economy, social media. You know, it's, it's interesting. I gave a, I was talking to a group of students last night and, and, and I started to say this in several conversations I'm having where, you know, people talk about tech and society um, and just the problems with it. And I, and I've said, you know, like your computer is technology, your glasses are technology, your vacuum cleaner is technology. You know, uh, there's solar panels are technology. Be very, it's really important to be very specific about what you're talking about. What you're talking about when you say technology is you're talking about attention economy, social media like that, oh, that piece yeah. right there. And, and if we don't start being explicit about that being the thing that we're talking about, then people talk about, you know, solving for tech. Um, and it's like, well, what are you, what are you talking about? And it's so broad, it actually becomes unaddressable. So it's like, so it's like, get real specific. Every time you say problems with tech, actually say attention economy, social media. You know, because actually the problem with your iPhone is not your iPhone. It's the attention economy, social media that is on your iPhone. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and your relationship to it, right? I yeah. Mean, totally. Totally. Hey, friends, if you like this show, I've got another podcast that you'll enjoy. And it's from a past guest of Behind the Human. It's called Life Done Better, hosted by health coach and supermodel Jill DeJong. She talks to the world's most inspiring minds in health and wellness through open and honest conversations, inviting self-discovery, inspiration, and practical solutions to life's challenges. You can find Life Done Better with supermodel Jill DeJong on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, back to the show. It's, you know, I think I pulled this or I saw this quote from you in, in your TED talk and it, it, it strikes me as being uh, somewhat integrated to what you're, you're mentioning here and love to get your details or more details around it. But this is where I see huge benefits of, of technology. And you said something to the effect of imagine if you knew yourself better than the ad buyers, Facebook and, and, and so forth, right? You know, like that's, I feel like that's where we're heading and, and that is I mean, it's insight. It's, it's again, like pulling out of the trivial, like what, how many pumps do I want in my Starbucks and, and actually getting real deep with some of this stuff? Like what, what, what did you mean by that quote? Well, um, there's just a, there's, there's a couple of, of points to get at it. Uh, one, um, I'll start at the, the macro. Um, the reason, so we're, what, what's happening overall in society right now 
is that we don't really have a collective narrative about what we are about. Um, but we live in an interconnected world. Um, and so you used to be able to have like a, a, you know, a local narrative, a national narrative, but humanity doesn't really have a narrative about what we're doing. Um, you know, and, and, and I don't think that there'll be just one. Um, but, you know, I think there's a, that's, that's a big part of sort of like what you're seeing. And so we're kind of at the place where the world is inter interconnected enough uh, where um, we have technology and, you know, if you think about Maslow's hierarchy, uh, certainly there are, are issues, but the world is better actually than it's ever been. And um, in terms of like number of girls in school, electricity, a bunch of other, you know, you know, objective measures. Yeah. And, um, and so what you're starting to see is that we're getting to the place where, you know, because of, you know, where we are, um, the questions that we much like, we have to start to answer the inner questions. And then there's a lot of pressure from technology on that in the sense of um, the software line is rising and it's going to take more and more rote tasks. Like if you were to look at your iPhone, um, the number of quote unquote jobs that if like if all the phones in the world disappeared and all the apps in the world disappeared, the number of jobs that are taken up by apps, you know, that are done by apps mm -hmm. today that used to be done by people, it's pretty significant. And so, you know, with that software line rising, what is left is there's actually a lot left. What's left is human interaction, humans solving problems together and thinking of new things. So we're also being like forced by our own tools to go into the space that requires us to work with other people, be creative. And that also requires self-awareness. It requires knowing thyself to be really good at that. And when the, when the currency moves to that area, because that's what's left, then we're sort of like forced into knowing ourselves. Um, and, you know, so we have these very sort of, we have these ma macro things, we have these practical things coming. And then we have, you know, things like, you know, there is a reason why food journals work just to make it the most simple thing. Like if you take out a piece of, you're trying to lose weight, you take out a piece of paper, you write down everything that goes into your mouth and how many calories are in it, you eat less. Of course, yeah. Um, and it's just like, and it's because, um, you know, I, I had the, you know, I had the joy of spending a month in the, in the jungle in Myanmar with, um, you know, on the winter retreat with the lineage holder of the other style of Vipassana, which is uh, Mahasi style. Um, and it was uh, uh, the lineage holder at the time that I met him was 93 and they call him the cedar. Um, and he really was like one of those people you walk into his presence and you could just feel the mind, like the, the quality and clarity of the mind. Sure. But he used to say, if it isn't, if it isn't noted, it isn't noticed. And so, you know, all of those things together, whether we're trying to do something practical about, you know, you know, um, modifying our behavior, understanding what our behavior is, you know, and so the point about like Facebook, if you knew yourself as well as Facebook, like Facebook knows you really, really well. And it's not just on Facebook, it's who you're connected to. It's also their cookie network. It's also the fact that they buy a tremendous amount of Axiom data, which is all of the point of sale data. Mm -hmm. So they know what you're spending your money on and they know it's you. 
Um, and they combine all of that. And, you know, and we don't even know what we're putting in our mouths. Now, life is more than counting calories or counting steps or counting, you know, um, counting things off our to-do list. But there's like these three levels of know thyself on a very practical thing, knowing what you're doing so you can, uh, you know, so you actually see what you're doing, um, you know, in an observed life, uh, knowing, you know, knowing yourself so you can see what you're doing. The next level is knowing yourself so that you can rise to the challenge of the future um, and adapt to where work is going and where education is going into this adaptation, high adaptation stage. And then on the really macro level, knowing yourself so that you can, you know, I, I, I think for people to be able to contribute to the question of who are we? Ooh. Because we're we're gonna have to do that, especially once we get off the you know off this planet. Yeah. Um, who are we? You have to have at least asked the question, "Who am I?" To really yeah. contribute to the "Who are we?" Um, and so these are all of the reasons why you know knowing oneself and why that you know starting point of imagine if you knew yourself as well as Facebook does, you know um, how, how that all stacks together. Love it. Love the who are we? I mean, obviously, you can probably tell I'm a bit obsessed with good questions. So that's a, I, I took note of that one. I I, I want to shift. Well, maybe it's not a shift in in gears, but you know, you 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 definitely strike me as someone that is is very self aware, and you I know you work at that, and there definitely was a big moment with that shift on the retreat. I'm just curious, you know, in present day, especially with you know everything going on and you know, you have access or um, insight to a lot of really great tech and new solutions out there relating to health. Like what, what's in your, you know, toolkit of mental fitness and and health that, you know, you use on a frequent basis um, that, that have, that have been really helpful. Mm. Well, you know, one of the things, one of my favorite, uh, an app that I use that I really love is um, I love mind jogger. Okay. And it's a really simple, it's so simple. Basically it's, it's notifications you choose, but you get to type in what it is. Oh, nice. Um, and so, oh, it's so good. And so instead of like getting, you know, crazy notifications from clubhouse, like my friends are <laughs> over here or whatever, um, it's notifications that, um, are the ones that, that you want. And you can have up to, I think you can have up to like 64, notifications a day. Um, and so I, um, I have notifications like, um, how am I attending to my deepest emotional needs? Mm. I get that one. Uh, I think that one, I get that one 20 times a day. Um, you know, I've been really, um, I'm really interested in, um, Gay and Katie Hendricks on um, the upper limit problem, which is this idea that, you know, we all sort of have a thermostat of how good we can feel. And, you know, and when we, when we go above that thermostat setting, uh, we will do something to not feel so good, whether it's start a fight yeah. or sabotage ourselves or whatever. Um, and so, you know, one of the prompts from their work is, you know, am I willing to feel good inside? Um, you know, and, and, um, and they have some, you know, it's a longer one. 
um, you know, and uh, and then I have uh, another one. Um, my girlfriends and I, we have a, or many of a few of my friends, guys and girls, we're starting to describe life as, um, you know, having the experience the entire cake and not slices. You know, so we have a little mm -hmm. yeah, cheer, yeah. like no slices, no slices, no slices. You know, um, as you know, because a lot of times it's like people will have a crumb and think it's a slice or they'll have a slice and think it's the cake. And so we're all sort of together encouraging one another to, um, we encourage one another to go for cake, like the whole cake. Yeah. You know, the so it's whole like living cake. to the max? Well, it's sense? like, it's, it's um, you know, one of the things I think, and this is a very circling back to the front about COVID, um, you know, it's, I think when faced with uh, mortality, when faced with slowing down, you really start to think about what is it I really want? And is this, you know, uh, like one of the things now is that I am starting to make all my decisions based on whether or not I have a full body yes, like a full body yes, yeah, not a, um, you know, not a okay, you know, if something only gets an okay, whether it's a consulting project or a date or, <laughs> or a relationship, you know, um, like whatever, whatever it is, um, you know, if it's meh or if it's, oh, well, it's, you know, we're, it's, it's okay. Then that is like your life, your life force is the most precious thing that you have and how you spend your time in a, in a, in a, in a very important moment in human history. And for that, I don't mean us politics or whatever, but you know, a big thing that's driving my work is that I think that the next 15 years sort of decides whether humanity is on the path to whether the future for our, you know, our grandchildren and great grandchildren and, and, and you know, all of our descendants, uh, whether that future looks more like Hunger Games or does it look like Starfleet? Like that's mm -hmm. happening right now. And so in that kind of context, you know, you, you, you really, you know, you, you cannot afford to uh, spend your life uh, without like full body yeses. And, and also the other thing is it isn't just about doing, you know, doing, uh, great things. Um, it is about really like living intentionally because no matter what you're doing, you're and no matter where you are, whether you're in, you know, um, you know, whether you're in Florida or Costa Rica or, you know, like whatever town you're in, big city or small, um, you were being watched um, by, you know, people who know you, love you, respect you or whatever. And the way that you live your life, the intentionality that you bring to your life is, you know, either inspiring the people around you to make the same kind of choices, mm -hmm. you know, or not. You know, I, I recently did something which I thought about it for like a couple of weeks before I did it. I put a um, a friend of mine, and this is just a good example. A friend of mine has an outbound message that says, I read email, you know, once a day from 12 to 2. Okay. You know, and, and that was his, he has it as like his automatic outbound message. And I looked at it for a little while and then I did it too. 
Yeah. And first of all, nobody (laughs) nobody complains, but it like, it completely resets people's expectations around when they're going to hear back from you. (laughs) It's just like, everybody's happier, including me. But I saw him live intentionally. You know, like I, I, I saw him and when I saw him do it, I knew I could do it too. And so, um, you know, all across the board, you know, writ large or small, there's these opportunities that we have to uh, defy momentum and make choices, to, um, you know, to be intentional, to choose full body yeses, um, you know, around sort of like how we're showing up. And, uh, and so the whole cake doesn't represent like, you know, uh, it doesn't represent a sort of like a maxi max type philosophy. It's really more about quality, you know, sure. and the, the wholeness of the quality. So not the, you know, the, you know, the, one of the things that, that happened in COVID with relationships is that, you know, there were a lot of people who decided to, you know, commit to one another. I was reading this article the other day, and then there's a lot of people who broke up. And a friend of mine who's a therapist said that like all of the breakups, uh, she's a couples therapist that happened during COVID. She was like, these are all people who needed to break up and they were able to avoid it because everyone was, we were all on this giant treadmill. Yeah. That's, that's the big thing. Right. And I feel like if I'm just thinking of, of everything you shared, which was just so good, especially the you know, your 20 notifications that are for yourself to um, just like the full body yeses. Uh, to me, it's like either it, it, there's one decision, either we're going to decide to live the way that we want to live, or like you said, live intentionally, or someone or something's going to decide for us. And, it, you know, if we can leverage a lot of these practices and tools and the things that we have access to, to pause that treadmill and 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 see that and then take some time for ourselves it just becomes a much more pleasant experience right absolutely and i love the 20 notifications it's funny because um you know when you said that i i kind of had like a a shock in hearing because i'm like wow that's that's a lot but at the same time i mean how many notifications on the complete other end of the spectrum do we get right uh, it's, it's probably not even comparable. So if we're not reminding ourselves through, you know, an app like um, like MindJogger, or if you're using, I don't know, like I've I've interviewed different Olympians, I have post-its all over the place. Like there's so many different ways you can do it. But I think the the key and what I love that you left is just the idea that, I mean, we have to take kind of matters into our own hands and and get those reminders somewhere so that we can keep our mind in you know, uh, a great place, right? Or at least allow the space to, to get there. Yeah. Yeah. I really, cause what I do is like when I get the, um, you know, when I get the, how am I attending to my deepest emotional needs, you know, uh, in this moment, it's, it's the, exactly. It's like, how am I attending to my deepest emotional needs in this moment? I actually pause and, you know, and ask that question. And so it's really making me you know, it's really, it's really changing many of the choices that I'm, I'm making, um, you know, in the moment, like, you know, uh, and so that's been really, that's been really great. Yeah, for sure. 
And just a side, uh, well, so one funny story I was talking to, I was talking to a group of lucid dreamers and they use these types of things and they ask the question, um, am I awake or am I asleep? Mm. Uh, and so that's what their joggers, their mind joggers say. And they, 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 they do it to remind them to ask the question. And so that they ask the question so much that uh, it's enough of a habit that, you know, they take that habit into sleep. And so it kind of turns out if you ask yourself if you're sleeping and you ask yourself if you're awake or asleep, you know, you increase the likelihood that you wake up while you're asleep and, wow. you know, and can lucid dream. And it's just like a simple little hack. I was like, that really works. They were like, yeah, it totally works. And so then I added that to my memory jogger once and, and then it started happening more. So it's kind of funny. So, well, I mean, I'm always amazed at just the power of literally one question, right? Like I'm just, I'm a mm -hmm. firm believer that we're always a question away from a new life, a new path, a different path, a different life, like whatever you need, but it literally will it just takes one question. So it's, um, it's amazing. I mean, I could talk to you for hours and I think, I feel like we should have a part two at one point, but I, I want to respect your time. And the, the final question, uh, Nicole is just, you know, what are you excited for in, in this space? What makes you smile? Mm. Well, you know, I'm really excited about, um, I'm really excited about the world accepting that there is a role for technology to, you know, to heal, um, skill and enhance our inner landscape. Because I think the one thing that humanity, ha what we haven't done uh, with a large number of people yet is really do that. Um, and so, you know, I really think that well-being, which is where I put mental and emotional well-being, social and emotional wellness, and human purpose and performance, I really think that well-being is really actually the X factor. You know, it's the one that's going to give us a positive future for health work and, and human excellence. And uh, and so I'm excited that the world has finally um, seems to have caught up <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> on, on this. And so I think that's really great. I'm also really excited about the conversations that I'm having around, um, you know, data privacy, ethics, and sovereignty, because mm -hmm. I think that we really, you know, like for everyone who, you know, from a GDPR standpoint is like, ah, oh, somebody's got my email. Like that's nothing. In, consider, you know, in comparison to the amount of biodata and neurodata that is going to very quickly become collectible. And so, you know, we really need systems in place that allow people to designate things as uh, free, paid, or public. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, there's, I'm excited about getting past the, I'm excited about, you know, getting past the social dilemma conversations because that's really true, but, you know, um, and, you know, and I think the attention economy is terrible, but um, so many people are so uh, focused on that, that they are not problem solving for this other problem that's coming up. And, you know, and there's a reactionary response where people are, you know, are going anti-anti as opposed to being like, okay, how do we come up with workable solutions that actually serve the people? Because if we don't, you know, the crux of the problem is that our tech is on exponential curves, our crisis are on exponential curves, but how we, you know, 
learn to become truly deeply human, how we learn to ask the questions that take us in interesting places, how we learn to be healthy and work with other people is linear analog and entirely based on luck. Uh, And because there's so much economic disparity and educational disparity and health disparity and all of these other things, um, and even in, you know, really, you know, affluent homes, you know, you, it's like the only way you really get the good stuff uh, is that you need you need to have perfect parents, perfect mentors, perfect teachers, perfect friends in a perfect neighborhood, and so few of us ever ha- you know have all of those, um, and so we really need to be able to you know get the access to the good stuff out there, um, you know, and and on the other side of that, in order to get the good stuff out there, we have to have data privacy, data ethics, and data sovereignty in place. And so I'm really excited too, because I'm starting to have conversations with people who, you know, are, are you know, yes, we should wring our hands and gnash our teeth and get some regulation in on the social uh, attention economy, social networks. But there is something else that we have to solve so we can truly harness this technology for the benefit of mankind and, and, and um, you know, and for individual people so that they can, answer the question, who am I? So they can contribute to the question, who are we? Um, and so I'm excited because those people are starting, I'm in conversation with those people and there, you know, and there are people who are ready to have that conversation, which is the one, you know, is the next one we really need. And I love, you know, the Center for Humane Technology and the way that they're like taking it to the social uh, networks, like that needed to happen. I'm working on a, a different problem. Sure. I love it. I mean, just having been or having experienced your work and what you're doing and bringing people together to, you know, uh, work on on these challenges and, and bring just such innovative solutions to the table. I mean, I, I want to thank you for that because I, I see it personally and just a small fraction of it on my side. Um, so you get to see a lot of this, obviously. And just want to, you know, send a higher thank you for devoting so much energy and in, in your life and your work to um, putting great solutions out there to your point. I, I think I love the, the language around inner landscape, you know, I mean, if we can upgrade that inner lands, landscape at the same rate as the technology and everything around it, we'll be in really good shape. So. Yeah, we'll be an outstanding, yeah, if, we can heal, if we can heal skill and enhance our inner landscape at the same rate that we're doing with technology, we will be in outstanding shape. Amazing. As a as a species, we will be in outstanding shape. Well, you know where to find me, so you let me know how else I can support uh, the journey. I'll definitely link to the amazing work you're doing, so everyone listening um, can join the um, join the cause as well. And until next time, thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. 